Hallelujah. I have been so blessed this week of worshiping with you. Your heartfelt, genuine worship has, has touched my heart. You know, so many times um, we are critical of the worship of other people because it may be different than ours or we want to sit from the cheap seats and judge the worship of people around us. David knew what that was like. Through after much struggle, God finally got the Ark of the Covenant home. And when coming into the city, the Bible says that he stripped down to his ephod and he danced himself into a sweat before the Lord. He wasn't doing it to be seen. He wasn't doing it to impress anybody. He was overcome with joy because it through much trial and through much loss, and through an tr- incredible series of events, he got that ark back into town, taking it to where it belonged. And the joy of the Lord filled his heart, and he danced until he was give out. And he comes into the front door of the palace. Can you see him announcing, Honey, I'm home. Bounding up the steps, and his wife said to him, You were an embarrassment to me today. I sat and watched you from this window and I can't believe that the king would act this way. That you reduced yourself to do that kind of ridiculous worship for everybody to see. All the young ladies in the city saw you barely naked. He wasn't stripped down into anything immodest. He had just taken his kingly robe off. How do you know God is not impressed with our kingly robe? And it's interesting that Michael, David's wife, is never called David's wife. She is always called Saul's daughter because she had the same cynical spirit her dad had. And David says to her, listen, woman, you got to be careful when you say that. He said, it wasn't you. It wasn't your daddy that put me on the throne. It was God. And if you think I've been undignified today, you ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen my best praise. And he was making it known that he was not going to be pushed back. He was not going to be pushed down. That he wasn't even going to let his spouse keep him from worshiping God. And I've appreciated your heartfelt worship. I appreciated your heartfelt praise. We need a revival in the Pentecostal church of not being hindered in our praise. We've gone through a season where we've been so overly reserved and we've been held back and we've let people control us by what they think about us. It's time to just let the baby cry, hallelujah, and just be what we are and just go on and worship Jesus. And I've so appreciated your worship this week and the privilege of worshiping with you. It's so good to see all of our young people here tonight uh, all all over the room. This is awesome. And to the young people, just let me say, I know that we're just getting to know each other tonight. Many of you have not gotten to meet. But this evangelist wants you to know that I, I love you in the Lord. And I'm so glad that you're here and that you need to understand that God has a great, great thing for your life planned. He has a will for you to walk in. And uh, the enemy will do everything he can to get you to take his counterfeit over the plan of God. 
And there are two primary ways he does that. Number one, by trying to send someone into your life that is not God's will for your life. I, I know I know how it is. Uh, I'm 47 years old, but I, I, I'm not that far removed from you. I know how it is. I was, I'm, I was raised in a small town too. And I know young ladies and I know young men, sometimes it feels like it's slim pickings around here, like there's just not that many options. I've been there. And so we've, we've, we are tempted at times, and it's, it's not that who God has for you will certainly, it's not that they will certainly not be in this area, they very well may be, but sometimes we believe that because the pool is, is very thin that we just have to take whoever's showing us attention, that we just have to take who's there. And many times we're tempted to just take anybody because they're available and they're the ones showing interest and we get in a hurry and many times can miss the will of God. Listen, young ladies, you do not want someone that's not God's will for your life. Trust me. You, you, don't, you don't want just anybody. Before you were knit together in your mama's womb, God knew you. You were born to serve the Lord. You were born to fulfill a destiny in God. And the enemy is a professional at sending someone at just the right time that you're being serious. You're trying to get your ear tuned to the Holy Ghost to hear about God's plan for your life. He'll do anything to distract you. He'll send that wrong person because when you get involved with somebody that's not the will of God, it is a major deterrent to you fulfilling the reason for which you were born. Young men, you can't, not just any young lady will do. There is a young lady, young man, emphasize young lady for the young men. Emphasize young men for the young ladies. I'll get more into that in a little while. But somebody was born made for you. And trust me, you, are, you, you, you would rather be single than have the wrong person your whole life. Samson thought he knew better than his parents. His parents said, Samson, son, you need a woman that serves Jehovah God. But he didn't listen. And it was very destructive in his life. And it, it, it caused him tremendous heartache. And the compromise ended up costing him his destiny in God. So I just want to encourage you young people. I know I don't look like much tonight up here with my bald head, but I... When I was 19 years old, I had hair. I used to have hair and I used to be good looking and something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened. When I was 19 years old, a major record label executive from Nashville, Tennessee came to me and said, we want to give you a major record label contract. We want to, we want to pay you a lot of money and pay for a first class recording for you to record. We want you to sing easy listening, this soul love music. And he said, I know you're a gospel singer. And they said, it's not going to be anything bad. It's not going to be anything that, uh, that's going to be negative or anything that is of an off color nature. He said to me, you can, you can still sing your Jesus songs and you can do this too. And I knew at that moment, that's the enemy talking. And he sat down with me and pushed a contract across the table with a, with a check paper clip to the top that had more zeros than I had ever seen in my life. And that was just the, the signing bonus for signing with them and looking at that check and looking at that contract. And he said, you're going to become a very wealthy young man in just a very short amount of time. And... Uh, I, in a few moments, I pushed that contract back across the table and he said, what are you doing? I said, I can't do this. He said, what do you mean you can't do this? He said, this won't ever, this opportunity will never come to you again. 
I said, sir, I'm very flattered and very honored that you would seek me out. But I said, when I was 14 years old, I promised God I would never use any ability he gave me for anyone but him. And it, I would be going back on my word. I would be going against God, so I cannot do this. And I want you to know, I don't say that to you to make me look good. I'm using an example to help you understand that the world has an offer for you. Every one of you young men, young ladies, there are giftings, there are abilities in you that Satan wants to steal. And he wants to take those giftings and he wants to use your life as a pawn to propagate his plan and to propagate his, to propagate what he wants, to, the message he wants to preach to this world. And he wants to use our lives to do that with big promises. And then when he's through with us, he wants to chew us up and spit us out. The book of Ruth chapter 1 tells us of a man named Elimelech that lived in Bethlehem. If you didn't know, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Isn't it interesting that the bread of life was born in the house of bread? And there it says that there was a famine in the house of bread. And that to escape the famine, Elimelech left the house of bread and moved to Moab. He didn't intend to stay there very long just to outlast the famine, but he stayed a decade. That's how it is when we leave the house of bread. We don't ever think we're going to go over here very long. But if you look at every major uh, uh, music star, uh, you look at all, all of the genres of music across the board, almost every celebrity started singing for Jesus in the church. But the world came and offered the big bucks and they said to themselves, I'm going to go over here long enough just to make the money and then I'll be back. But they're still in Moab tonight. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. So they, they, they never make it back. You hear this preacher, you do not want to sell out for a bowl of soup. You do not want to sell out to the world because I wish I could preach for a while to you young people tonight on the blessing and favor of God. You cannot buy the blessing of God. You cannot buy the favor of God. The anointing of God is priceless. But I tell you, when you have it on your life, it is a powerful and an awesome thing. I know I'm not much. I'm just a country boy with a vest on tonight. But I can tell you, I've had the favor and the blessing of God on my life. And the Lord has gone before me. And the Lord has blessed me beyond measure and young ladies you hear me God wants to bless you young men you hear me God wants to put his hand on your life he wants to make the way before you don't you dare sell out to the world and his plan and their offer you'll never regret selling out to the Lord Jesus Christ every young person is always looking for something to give their life to. I understand we've already had one young lady tonight in the altar give her life to Jesus. I want you to know wherever you're sitting, you'll never regret that decision. You'll never regret giving your heart to Jesus because you're putting your life in the hands of the one who can, who has the, your life, it's in his hands. You put it, the one in the hands of the one who wants to bless you and make a way for you. You come in the kingdom of God. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret regret it hallelujah oh lift your hands with me if you believe that tonight oh thank you Jesus if you're glad you're saved tonight if you're glad you're not down at Ray Ray's bar but I passed on the way here and you're glad you're in the house of God tonight some of you may used to have been there some of you may not too long ago maybe a few days ago maybe a couple of weeks ago that's where you were but Jesus saved you and Jesus cleaned you up and Jesus filled you with his presence and Jesus changed your life and gave you a reason to live <laughs> hallelujah 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 glory to God glory to God 
I sense his presence in this house tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Ghost is exalting Jesus. That's his job. That's the occupation of the Holy Spirit is to preach and testify of Jesus that he would be lifted up. Lord, I just praise you in this moment. Uh, Jesus, you're highly exalted in this house tonight. May we decrease so that you can increase. We're the little story, but you're everything. You're what it's all about. I pray that young people tonight would see you. I pray that people of every age tonight would see Jesus in his glory, that he would be so magnetic by the Holy Ghost tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Oh, there's just nobody like Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Am I on up back there? There I am. Someone asked me to sing this song again tonight. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak Just a little more vocal please Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus sing your name is power your name is power name is healing Your name is life. Oh, break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over fear and all anxiety. soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus sing that verse again I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety oh every soul held captive by depression speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is life your name is life oh break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets 
Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. There's no life outside of you, Jesus. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire One more time, come on, shout it Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, we speak the holy name, Jesus, your name is power, your name is healing, your your name is life yeah, break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire break every stronghold break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire burn like a fire Jesus burn everything that's unlike you out of our lives Lord burn self-righteousness out of our lives Lord burn the desire for sin out of our lives Jesus Speak to the hearts of these precious young people tonight, Lord. Let them see, Jesus. You've got great things for their life. Let them see this world is a lie. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, we speak the holy name, Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains, 
Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the mighty name. Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through all the shadows. Burn like a fire. Burn like a fire, Lord. As long as I have breath, I will praise you, Lord. As I can sing, as long as I can sing, I will sing your praise. I will sing your praise wherever you lead me. I'll follow you. I will follow you as long as I have praise. I will praise you, Lord. Lift your hands and tell him that tonight. As long as I have breath, I will praise you, Lord. Come on, tell him, young people, long as I can sing. Long as I can sing, I will sing your praise. quite a statement I, I will follow you long as I breath as long as I have breath I will praise you Lord wherever you long as I have breath, I will praise you, Lord. As long as I have breath, I will praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. As long as I have breath. I will praise you, Lord. 
Wherever you lead me, I will follow you. That's a big statement. Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me if you would. The book of Isaiah chapter number 43. Stand if you would to honor the reading of God's word. Isaiah 43. And then the book of Luke chapter number 1. If anyone was not able to be here this morning, you need to go back to Facebook and listen to the message that was preached from the heart of Pastor Monclova. It was powerful. It was heartfelt. It was genuine. It was authentic. And it was right on time. Everyone in this room needs to hear that message from this morning. Amen. Amen. It's been such a blessing to be with you. Uh, a few moments ago, up on the screen, they had a ministry logo there, and they had a QR code. They can put that back up after the service. Uh, it's unimportant right now. Uh, but if you, if you're, if our music has been a blessing to you, um, anywhere music is streamed, Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, anything, you can get our music there. Encourage you to do so. Many of you have uh, asked about speak. I speak Jesus. Our newest recording. Entitled Songs from the Storm, it is on that recording. Coming out of COVID, I went into the studio in Nashville and recorded uh, 10 of the songs that I found myself coming back to. During COVID, I would just go to the piano in my house and I would just sing and worship and sing myself happy. And I found that those songs I kept coming back to, songs like Fire Shut Up in My Bones, uh, I, I speak Jesus. I've got too much to gain to lose. I've never been this homesick before. The musicians are fantastic. Some of it will cause you to speed. Be careful if you download that. It can. Uh, it might get you a ticket. So just be, just be careful. But I encourage you. Also, I do have some CDs here. I didn't set them up, but I have some. If you're interested, we can serve you. Also, have some USB. Some of the new cars do not have CD players, and you can just put that in the seat and in the. Uh, USB drive, and I'll just pull right up, and you, I can just serenade you. Hallelujah. Uh, you can take me home with you. Praise God. It's been a treat to be here. I pray that we've been a blessing in some way. I have been encouraged and strengthened and so excited about what God is doing here. Another fantastic crowd tonight, attendance. Thank you for your coming to the house of God. Thank you for your hunger for the things of God. Just believe that this is going to continue on and going to spill over and just keep right on rolling. I, I, can't, I can't get this subject of revival out of my spirit. I want to preach from my heart again to you tonight. I, I'm going I, I to preach about a new revival. I preached Monday night about the resurgence of a Jesus revival. I want to preach about a new revival tonight. And uh, the Lord's going to help us. Isaiah chapter 43 beginning in verse number 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I could stop and preach right there. He's the only one. I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. 
and who shall let it? In other words, God is saying, I'm God, and who's going to do anything else about it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles. And the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. One version I like says, the Chaldeans who have those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Hallelujah. Now Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'll give you a moment to turn over there. Luke 1. If you've got it, say amen. If you don't, say oh me. Verse 57, 57, Luke 1. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Lord, thank you again tonight for your word. Lord, I need you tonight like I've never needed you. I pray that every heart would be touched. I pray that our ears would be anointed to hear. Our spirits would be sensitive to receive. I pray, God, for a new revival, a fresh move of God. As when John the Baptist came on the scene, I pray you would anoint every pastor represented here, every person. I pray, God, that young people tonight that many of them would be baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
I pray, Lord, that you would touch their lives, that they would get a hold of something that they would never be able to let go, that they would have such a convincing experience with Jesus that the world would not have a chance of getting their attention. I pray, Lord, that tonight you would cause us to understand how you want to move, what you want to do, and that we are in a place where nothing but revival will do, nothing but a shaking will do, nothing but the outpouring of the Spirit of God will suffice. It's Jesus or nothing. It's revival or nothing. We must have a move of your spirit. Hear the cry of our hearts. Speak to your people tonight, I pray, that you would receive the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Revival is not an option. It has been stated that a world in crisis deserves a church in revival. Never sell short the impact of a revived church in a nation of turmoil. How many of you would agree tonight that our nation is in turmoil? There must be a church in these last days who is not confused about who they are called to be. That's one thing that I have appreciated this week is I have not sensed any confusion in the Neches section that they're called to be Pentecostal. When John the Baptist was born, everyone was interested in him because of his miraculous birth, born to aged parents and from a barren womb. Someone in the crowd wanted to know what name would be given to the child. And Zacharias writes on that tablet, his name will be called John. If you don't know the background, let me give you some background. Nine months before John was born, the angel Gabriel shows up in Zacharias' living room and says, you're going to have a baby. You understand that Elizabeth had been barren. She was up in years, had had no children. He was old. And it was very difficult for Zacharias, as it would be for you and me, to wrap his mind around the fact that that could be. And he doubted in his heart. And because he doubted, he was stricken with dumbness, the inability to speak for nine months. Can you imagine what that expecting wife, how frustrated she must have gotten with a husband that couldn't talk for nine months of pregnancy when she needed something, he having to converse back and forth with him. And so you can imagine how matter-of-factly that Zacharias would have reached for a tablet and made it clear. The boy's name is John. I got the message. John means Yahweh is gracious. So if your name is John tonight, your name means something very special. Understand that John's arrival represented the first move of God in 400 years. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's approximately 400 years of prophetic silence. Seemed that there would be no preacher, no prophet, no word from God. It seemed that the heavens were shut up. It felt as though that God would not keep his promise. Can you imagine if every gospel preaching church in this area were shut up for 400 years with nobody preaching Jesus or the hope of Jesus? 
The world plunged into outer darkness. It was very wicked. It was extremely barbaric. But John's birth was the introduction to the new thing that God was about to do in the earth. And while Elizabeth was affirming her husband's words that our boy's name will be John, someone had the audacity to reject that name and they said, we read it in Luke 161, there are no relatives who are called by that name. You got no kinfolks in good eastern Texas vernacular who are named John. Where did you come up with that? You have to understand Jewish culture. You did not get creative with naming your children. You did not pull a name out of a hat. You didn't buy a baby naming book. You didn't do anything of the sort. You named your children something meaningful from the legacy of your family. Something that meant something. More often than not, those children were named after, particularly the male children, after their father. It was very important. It was a party foul to do anything but that. And so for Zacharias and Elizabeth to name their baby John, his culture did not understand it. It was totally out of the box. But you see, they were indicating a mistake had been made, but God had named John. His identity was assigned by God himself. John was called to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He was that voice crying in the wilderness. His message would be clear, prepare ye the way of the Lord. His cry was repentance and his passion was revival. John the Baptist would not allow anyone, even the culture that birthed him, to put him in their box. John's purpose was to make crooked paths straight and to announce the arrival of the anointed one. Many would deny his identity in an effort to cause him to deny himself. The religious system would demand that his parents find an old name for this new baby and they wouldn't be happy until a name from history was forced on him. But John proved that you can't put an old name on a new move of God. I'm going to say that again. John proved that you can't put an old name on a new move of God. John's ministry was unlike anything his culture had ever seen. Everything about him was completely outside the box. His ministry went directly against the grain. And even though John's ministry ruffled feathers and caused people to take a double take, it was exactly what was needed to prepare people and get their attention for the arrival of the one whose sandals John said, I'm not even worthy to unlatch. You hear me, Neche's section of the Assemblies of God. There is something that must happen in you and something that must happen in me. God wants to do something new in us that's going to prepare this county, your city, your community, your town, your congregation for a move of God. There's got to be something that happens that shakes this culture again to prepare them for the coming of the one whose name is Jesus. And there were three particular things about John that were very unique. They separated him and they were used by God to bring attention to his message of the new revival coming through Jesus Christ. Those three things are, number one, his appetite. Number two, his attitude. And number three, his appearance. Number one, his appetite. John's appetite. John grew up in his priestly father's house. 
The normal diet of a priest was roasted lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. John's diet consisted of locusts and wild honey, and if you will, honey-dipped grasshoppers. Now that's a little bit different than roasted lamb. This was the meal of a man on a mission. This was a man who did not live to eat but ate to live. It gave him strength to move from place to place, preaching riverside revivals and baptizing converts. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, so naturally there was something in him that had a desire for deeper things. He represented a move of God that fed on something totally different from the things that satisfied the world. Do you realize that, man of God? Do you realize that, woman of God? Your very life represents something different than this, the rest of this American culture. John's appetite for true repentance and humility of heart moved people beyond the cold religious surface into genuine heart change. And if you know we need a revival to break out that moves people past the surface surface into genuine heart change. The Bible says that people came to John the Baptist from everywhere. They were drawn to him. Their appetites had been wedded for something deeper than they had ever known before. Their palates were being prepared for something that they had never tasted before. I'm talking to several kinds of people tonight. Maybe even to somebody watching by Facebook Live. We're so glad if you're watching tonight. I'm talking to somebody tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ. I'm talking to a young person. I'm talking to a child. I'm talking to an adult tonight that came into this house and you've known a lot about Jesus, but there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus for yourself. But as you said in this service tonight, maybe you've been here all through the week and the Holy Spirit's been convicting you and your palate is being prepared and your appetite is being whetted. The life you're living isn't cutting it. The drugs aren't cutting it. The, the relationships aren't doing the trick for you. And you've tried everything and you've tried everyone and you're still empty and you're still, you're still void in your life. You come to the right place because your appetite tonight, that thing that you're hungry for, is a relationship relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ nothing else nothing else young person nothing else young man nothing else young woman nothing else sir nothing else ma'am will ever do the trick except knowing Jesus Christ as your savior and if you came in here hungry for a reason to live if you came in here hungry to know eternal life Jesus Christ is here to give it to you tonight I'm talking to somebody else tonight you you're, you're saved you're a Christian but you've not moved past salvation into the deeper waters of the Spirit. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all. It is awesome. It is indescribable, the removal of sin from a life. But as awesome as that is, it's the entry point into the kingdom of God. You listen to me. My grandmother used to say, oh, Creston, and my, when, my grandmother was 90 years old when she passed away. And there by her death just before she died, she told me, she said, Creston, I've never once, she called me Cressy. <laughs> she said, Cressy, I've never one time in my life ever even thought about turning my back on Jesus. I've never wanted to turn my back on him. I've wanted to serve him all of my life. And she said, don't you ever even think about giving up on Jesus. Don't you ever think about not serving God. She said, Cressy, he just gets gooder and gooder and gooder. I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus just gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Just when you think it can't get gooder, it gets gooder. Hallelujah. You can't get to the end of Jesus. He's inexhaustible. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Just when you think it can't get better than this, he tops that because Jesus then takes you into a warehouse you didn't even know was there of his goodness and his mercy and his love and his blessings. He wants to take us from glory to glory. There's more than salvation. Oh, he wants to move you into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He wants to take you in to walking and communing with him in his presence. He wants to move you into new realms of his glory. You can't get to the end of it. I'm talking a lot of other people tonight. You've been in this thing all your life. You've seen the move of God. You've seen the power of God. You've experienced the glory of God. You've seen people get out of wheelchairs. You've seen people throw canes away. You've watched people shout and dance in the spirit. You've seen waves of the glory of God come and rest like a blanket upon the congregation. But to be honest, you're hungry again. It's been a while. Your spirit is thirsty. Your stomach is starving to death for a bite of bread from heaven's bakery. I got good news for you. He's still doing it. He's still pouring out his spirit. If you're hungry tonight, if you're hungry, if you're hungry, he wants to fill you. I'm talking to a lot of people. Your appetite has been whetted for something more. This generation in the church is starving to death for a fresh move of God in their life. They're starving to death. I talked about it Monday night. They're starving to death to experience what we have known. This culture feeds off the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But spiritual hunger of the end time church cannot be satisfied with these things. We do not receive our nourishment from the world's table. I said we do not receive our nourishment from the world's table. Stop getting trying to get yourself filled up by Netflix. Stop, got, stop trying to get yourself filled up by stuff and things and going here and going there and taking up your time trying to fill that void. It'll never work. Oh, you know it, but I'm going to tell you again, the end time church can only find their fill in the presence of the living God. We call, uh, we are called to take our daily supply of fresh manna from the Holy Spirit and feast upon the bread of life. You remember that when God supplied manna for his children in the wilderness, he had fresh manna every single day. They just had to go out and pick it up off the ground. But after a while, they got lazy like us. And they decided, I don't want to go out every day. I'm going to can it. I'm going to jar it up. What happened? It rotted. Because it was not God's intention to give them two-week-old manna. It was God's intention to give them daily manna. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you tonight, are you living a life where you're receiving daily manna from the Holy Spirit? What's feeding your hunger? What's feeding your hunger? Hallelujah. What's you hungry for? My grandma Tom and I used to, I lived right next to her. I was in the fourth grade. I had a good thing going. I would go there and eat, then I'd go home and eat. And about every day of my life, I'd go saddle my horse and go put in my order at grandma's, go ride my horse and come back and have dinner before I had dinner. And she would ask me, what you hungry for, Cressy? What can I make you? What can I do for you? I miss that homemade banana cake. I can taste it right now. My appetite is being whetted for that. Hallelujah. What you hungry for? What is it in your life that you're striving for? What is it that you're yearning for? You need to understand it is the freshness of the move of God, our appetite. But we've been feeding our flesh and filling our lives with such stuff and such busyness. We've allowed busyness and going here 
and there to steal the precious communion relationship with God and we're hungry and we're starving to death but the Holy Spirit wants you to know tonight if you'll come to him and wait in his presence he'll fill you again. John's appetite was different than his father. John's, he lived in the desert. It's interesting. John ate different and lived different than his father and he had a whole different level of anointing on his life. How we live and how we eat spiritually makes the difference. Your appetite, number two, was his attitude, his appetite than his attitude. John was born into a spiritual climate that formed his revival attitude. He was born to be the messenger who announced the coming of Jesus John's attitude suited him very well as he was born into a collision course of hypocrisy and dead, cold religion. John's attitude assisted him in seeking out the sick and finding those who were refused and rejected. He had no time for marble floors and granite pillars. His pulpit was a tree stump and his altar was the Jordan River. His message was repentance And he didn't mind calling out national leadership and spiritual leadership to accountability. In fact, it's what cost him his head. If John the Baptist were here in this hour preaching, he would not shy away from talking about homosexuality. He would not shy away from talking about transgenderism. He would not shy away from talking about difficult things. He was so bold, he called out Herod for having a public affair. And he told Herod, you're wrong. Herod was having an affair with his brother's wife and was unashamed about it. And John made it known that it was sin, it was wrong. Let me speak for a moment while we're here. Young people, I want you to listen intently to what I'm about to say. The church has shied away from speaking about and dealing with subjects like homosexuality because of fear. We've shied away because we have not want to be branded with hate. We've shied away because we have been scared to be labeled. We've shied away because we have not wanted to be thought ill of. Now let me bring some clarity tonight to what homosexuality is and the devil's ploy behind it. The husband, the wife, and children is God's living picture of his master salvation plan to the world. That's why God hates, that's why the devil hates the family so much. That's why Satan hates your marriage, sir and ma'am. That's why if you feel like that the devil's trying to destroy your marriage, it's because he is. He's trying to find any way into your life he can, into your home any way he can, because your marriage, sir, you and your wife and children represent God's master salvation plan. It's a living picture of it. So Satan wants to ruin that. And so trying to come against that, Satan 
that invented this lifestyle, this, he's invented a new picture of love through homosexuality that presents this new picture to the world that takes the focus off of the family. Ever since Satan was excommunicated from heaven, he has done everything in his power to throw shade on Jesus. He's done everything in his power. What did Satan want when he tried to overthrow God through his pride? He wanted the throne. So ever since, he'll do anything he can do to take the focus off of Jesus. So through homosexuality, he has presented to the world another picture of love to be a distraction from God's master salvation plan. And pushing that and backing that. And most of the people who are attracted to this lifestyle are people who have been disenfranchised, people who have been rejected, people who have been pushed away, those who have felt unwanted, those who have felt that no one desires them. And that spirit, and understand that homosexuality is a spirit from hell. And it seeks through its deception, it uses the the immorality, the appeasing of the flesh as the candy, if you will, to pull people in to this place where they're accepted to feel though they belong. And then the devil uses them as a pawn. He uses their life, as I mentioned earlier, young people. The devil wants to use your life as a pawn. He wants to use you to propagate his agenda. And he uses these people to propagate his agenda all the while destroying their physical body while destroying their spirit. And then when he's through with them he uses the very thing he's drawn them into to wrap a chain around their neck to ruin them for eternity it is a lie it is deception it is a it is a front to God himself and his master salvation plan understand what homosexuality is yes it absolutely is an abomination to God because it is a direct affront against his master salvation plan. But hear me, hear me person, hear me sir, hear me ma'am, hear me young man, hear me young lady, hear me watching on Facebook Live. There is a better way, hallelujah. There's a way that seems right to our flesh. There's a way it's being crammed down our throat from the highest levels of even government of this nation. It's being promoted by people of the highest levels of our country, but it's a lie from hell. It's a lie to bring destruction. It's a lie to ruin you. It's a lie to destroy you. But you were created to live for God. You were created to know Jesus Christ. And the enemy has used it through deception to pull you away from Jesus Christ. But if you'll hear the voice of this preacher, if you'll hear the voice of the Holy Ghost, we're not preaching hate. We're preaching love. God loves you. Jesus gave his life for you. But there's a difference between love and acceptance. Love does not equal acceptance. Although God will love you forever and his mercy endures forever, he'll never accept a lifestyle that's an affront to his master salvation plan. So hear the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. It's what John the Baptist would speak to. You can be saved. Your life can be transformed. You can know what it is to get up and put your feet on the ground in the morning and know you have a reason to live and no peace in your life. We see this lie of transgenderism. There are now 72 different gender identifications. I should have brought the picture of that up here and put it up for you to see. Boggles the mind. But the book of James talks to us about that out of confusion comes every evil work. 
And the enemy has used in the past few years a revival, a firestorm, a revival of confusion upon our world and this nation that he has worked very well out of. What makes a man get up on a Monday morning and say, I wasn't born to be a man, I was born to be a woman? What makes a woman get up on a Tuesday morning and say, you know, I've, God made a mistake, I was meant to be a man? They have found that almost every one of these people that move that extreme brought by the confusion and lie of the devil are people that have tried everything and nothing has worked to bring peace. So being driven by this lie of the enemy, being driven by the demonic, they move to the extreme and even changing their physical features. But it doesn't matter what you do to change your physical features. If you were born a woman, you'll always be a woman. If you were born a man, you'll always, no matter what you do to change it, you were born to be a male. You can try to change that. You were born to be a man. Hallelujah. And we need to understand what the devil's trying to do through this confusion. What's he trying to do? He's trying to destroy people's lives. He's trying to send them to the extremes of confusion. Where the, and they, they have found that the great majority of these people end up trying to take their own lives. That's the devil's agenda. That's the devil's point. To run them. To what? To seek. He seeks to steal, to kill, to destroy. Our pastor talked about it this morning. That's the only three things the devil wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Katanji Brown Jackson, one of our later here latest Supreme Court justices, was asked by Senator Marsha Blackburn not long ago what a woman is. And Katanji Brown Jackson said, I'm not a biologist. There's now a bill coming through the legislature of Virginia that will make it child abuse if a parent will not go along with their child's Transgender modification surgery. If it passes, it'll make it child abuse. That's the hour in which we're living. John the Baptist was bold. John the Baptist was unashamed. John the Baptist knew what he was there to do. And he wasn't after the approval of man. That's our problem. We want the approval of man. As I said, he had no time for marble floors, had no time for granite pillars. And when he told Herod, you're wrong, Herodias, his lover, his brother's wife, concocted a plan and through her influence, through her daughter Salome, and dancing before Herod is, was filled with such lust, he blurted out, I'll give you anything you want. And she had already concocted the plan in her heart and had told her, influenced her daughter to say, he gives you anything you want, you tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. What was she doing? She was cutting off the head of repentance, the voice of repentance. You cut off the head, what? You lose the rest of the body. She wanted to silence the voice of repentance. It cost him his life, but he didn't change his message. During the presidency of Andrew Jackson, there was a circuit-riding Methodist preacher. He rode a horse. It had to be all right. 
and he was fiery. He was full of the Spirit of God and he was experiencing tremendous results and word was getting out everywhere about Peter Cartwright and his preaching. And so one particular Sunday, President Andrew Jackson happened to be in the area where Peter Cartwright was preaching and made it his business to be there to hear him preach and word got back to Peter Cartwright that President Jackson was going to be there and had arrived and he said, you better be careful what you say. You know how you are. And Peter Cartwright took the pulpit. He said, I understand we have the privilege of having President Andrew Jackson here. We're honored, sir, to have you. But if Andrew Jackson does not repent, Andrew Jackson will go to hell. Now that sounds strong and maybe a bit out of line. But what Peter Cartwright was doing is he was saying, I don't care who's here. I'm not going to change my message. I'm not going to be something different than I was called to be. I'm not going to preach the truth here and preach it differently somewhere else. And I know preachers that preach one way in their church and preach differently when they go somewhere else. I wonder if we could accept John's ministry today. He declared, there's coming one after me who will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. He was bold, he was sure, and he was right. John confronted the conspiracy. He confronted the corruption of the spiritual atmosphere. He corrupted, he, 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 he challenged the corruption in the hearts of the spiritual leadership and called it what it was as they had honed and crafted a program that was lining their pockets and making it good for them. And he had the audacity to speak up and call them snakes. He shook up the religious system from top to bottom. He was a man sent from heaven. He never compromised his message because he knew the outcome of his ministry was eternally secure. Any young person tonight that's called in the ministry, you hear me, don't you ever compromise your message because it is eternally secure. There's never any need to compromise when we already know the outcome. Our cry tonight, Natchez Valley, needs to be Give me the attitude of John. I talked about it some on Monday night. Take us to where the hurt is. Drop us off in the middle of people's messy lives. Let our hearts be touched and broken for people right here on our doorstep. That you won't meet a preacher that believes in world missions more than this one and our ministry supports it very generously. But in many cases we're stepping over lost people to win lost people. There's all kinds of people we've been stepping over for a long time right on our doorstep that are desperate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us be bold. Let us be unashamed. Let us have the attitude of John. Let our heart be, let our message be mixed with grace, but speaking truth. And just as John, we are here to announce the Messiah has come and his name is Jesus Christ, the solution for all. John never thought about Herod's approval while he was baptizing a new believer. He was never worried about what the scribes and Pharisees thought about him. Losing his life, I don't believe, ever crossed his mind while he was declaring, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His attitude motivated him. His faith sustained him. Lord, send us to spiritual deserts where the needs are the greatest. 
I truly believe we are much too concerned about our approval rating. Our purpose is to prepare this generation for the coming of Jesus. His attitude. Some of us tonight may need the Holy Ghost to adjust our attitude. His appetite. His attitude. And finally, his appearance. John's appearance was nothing short of unusual. He wore a garment made of camel hair. Put that first picture of uh, the spiritual leadership up there for me, if you would. I want to show you a picture of what the people were used to seeing in spiritual leadership. This is what they were accustomed to seeing. That was normal. Now put John's picture up there for me. Maybe they can enlarge it where you can see it better. But <laughs> That's just a little different. I thought about coming in here like that tonight, and then I thought the better of it. Pastor saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to look at that. Unconventional. Some would use words like seedy. We would call him odd for God. You ever know anybody odd for God? Strange, weird. Not what we're used to. They had never seen somebody coming out of the wilderness looking like this, saying, I'm here with the word from God for this generation. They didn't know what to do with him. We wouldn't either. How could God's hand be on that? How could God's touch be on that? But God used the man in camel hair who lived in the desert to shake things up and to call this man who they would have looked at and judged who thought had no right to show up looking like that who does he think he is and he showed up and called us out his Appearance didn't lend itself to proper attire. But it sure matched his attitude. When you look at it, John was dressed for success. That garment that he wore was made from an animal that could go long distances on short intakes of water like John. He wasn't burdened down with compromising attire that hindered his long and difficult journeys. He traveled light and made no request for unreasonable accommodation. A rock for a pillow, a starry sky for a blanket, fry up a few grasshoppers, dip them in honey, pop them down, a little rest. He was ready to preach again. He was secure with his message and he knew that Jesus was on his way. And when you know that the King of Kings is on his way, you know it's going to be all right.
people looked at John and they were left with their jaws dropping. They were left double-taking saying, how in the world could God's hand be on that? But when he opened his mouth, his anointed preaching shot like an arrow into their soul. Like it or lump it, they were affected. You be careful who you point your finger at and judge. We in Pentecost sometimes can stink with religiosity. We are the world's worst at having preconceived ideas about people, about thinking we know everything and we know the story. And when there might be a person who just last week got saved and yeah, they're new in the Lord and they're new in the faith, but God wants to lay his hand on them to use them powerfully to reach their family, their generation. God wants to use people to shake things up. He wants to use people like we, we, we wouldn't even imagine would put his hand on their life. We have been trusted with this last day's final harvest. I said we've been trusted with it. And there's a garment of anointing to complete the task. That garment that John wore was misunderstood by the culture. They did not understand John's garment. They looked at it and they frowned. They looked at it and made faces. They looked at it and said, that is not the attire of someone of the Lord of God. This culture looks at us. They don't understand our garment. Why? We do not blend in. We do not fit in. John did not blend in for sure. John did not fit in. And you and I are walking in this world we have been outfitted for this final moment we have a garment of anointing that we're wearing to get the attention of a world to shake up the post office to shake up Walmart to shake up the grocery store to shake up your office place so that when you walk in there people notice and feel the difference of the atmosphere change when you walk in because of the garment that you're wearing they don't understand it they look at us and don't, how, don't know how we can be at peace in this discontented world they don't understand why we're not indulging in the same things they're indulging in to find peace and we're happy they don't get get why we're so contented. They don't get why we have a smile on our face. They don't get why we're not shaking in fear because our hand is in the hand of the God who's in control. Our garment is a mystery to the world. And like John's garment, a garment of holiness and commitment is an anomaly to the world. What's the condition of your garment tonight? You have been given a garment of his touch, his anointing, his presence to get the attention of a world. What's the condition of your garment? Are you protecting your garment? Jesus speaks very boldly, very candidly to the church of Laodicea. And there in an illustrated letter, if you will, like an illustrated sermon, illustrated message, Jesus speaks so clearly and speaks to the church of Laodicea who had gotten so accustomed to the blessings of God that they no longer were seeing Jesus with 2020 vision. So Jesus spoke to them about three specific things, their values, their virtue, and their vision. He dealt with them about 
what they were putting, what they were, the things they thought were important. He dealt with them about what they were valuing. And it came up wanting. And Jesus said, you need to buy gold from me that's been tried in the fire. Then Jesus dealt with them about their garment. He dealt with them about their virtue. And he said, your garment's gotten dirty. And you need to, you need to buy a new garment from me that's clean. And then Jesus dealt with them about their vision. And even though they were meeting Sunday after Sunday and they were going through the motions, they had lost their vision of Jesus and he wasn't burning in their heart anymore. And Jesus said, you need to take some of that eye salve that you're sending out as your major export and put it on your own eyes and clean your own eyes so that you can see me again. Ah, is your garment remaining clean? We walk in this dirty world. Understand that the priest in the tent of meeting couldn't even touch the work of God. He had washed his hands and his feet. Are we keeping our garment clean? Hallelujah. Are we taking holiness seriously? I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about holiness. But holiness still matters. Holiness still counts. And young people, you hear this preacher, holiness will make a major difference in your life. It'll bring the favor and blessing of God upon your life. And prayer and a life of holiness is the power source of the believer. John's attire was not that of someone who was going to stay anywhere very long. He was dressed to move. He was a man who was dressed to go from place to place. You hear me, our garment is an attire made for people who are pilgrims, who are sojourning, who are passing through. John's garment was a part of his identity. It separated him. It set him apart. You and I wear this garment in this world. We're only here for a moment, and then we're gone. Hallelujah. We're dressed to move. We're dressed to leave out of here. Jesus is coming. We're here for a moment and then we're gone when people saw that garment they knew it was John the Baptist they knew it was the preacher of righteousness they knew it was the voice of repentance they knew it was the one preparing the way of the Lord and let me encourage you again tonight young people that this garment is nothing to be ashamed of but this is a garment to be pursued. Hallelujah. It's a garment to be protected. It's a garment to live by and go after and wear with pride. I know you're going against the grain. Every day in your school, every day on television, everywhere that you go, you're being inundated on your cell phone. By the way, mom and dad, one of the primary ways the enemy is getting in our houses is through that little device we call a cell phone. You better be guarding that thing. You better be, you better have protections. You better be checking it out. You better have safeguards. You better have rules in your house concerning those phones, by the way. But young people, you hear me. This, this garment that we wear of holiness, this garment of God's presence is something to be desired. It's something to be pursued. Hallelujah. It's worth everything and nothing of this world can compare to it. You hear me tonight. The true church seeking true revival refuses to wear the garment supplied by this world. We refuse to take on their identity. I say we refuse to take on their identity. As we, as we continue to walk toward the coming of Jesus, threats very well may come in every form and fashion. If you didn't know it, there is already persecution happening in this country, all over this country. We here in the Bible Belt have been protected for years and years. We here in the Bible Belt have not had the issues that people on the coast have had for a long time. We've had it so good, we don't know what persecution is. We think if somebody makes fun of us because we speak in tongues, we're being persecuted. I beg to differ. But it's encroaching closer and closer and closer. It's time to wake up in the name of Jesus. 
This is our time. Do you hear me, Natchez Valley? This is our time. This is our moment. We have been given this moment. We, have, which we must step up in this moment. We cannot miss it. And I want you to hear me. Matthew chapter 20, as I close, tells us about the husbandman of a vineyard who went out at 6 o'clock in the morning to get workers. Then he went out at 9 o'clock in the morning to get workers. Then he went out to noon to get more workers. He went out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to get workers. The Jewish day started 6 a.m., ended 6 p.m. But then something strange, he went out at 5 o'clock, an hour before the end of the day, to get more workers. And the Bible says he paid the 5 o'clock workers the same as the 6 o'clock in the morning workers. What am I saying to you is we're not going to be cheated. God's not going to cheat this generation. What the 6 o'clock workers have been paid. We had the day of Pentecost. We had the, the awesome ministry of the apostles. We had moves of God that came out of the dark ages and enlightenment. Hallelujah. We had men of God like Martin Luther and others who brought the light of the gospel back with all kinds of resurgences of revival. We had Azusa Street. We had the voice of healing ministries to the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and early 50s of massive crusade evangelism where thousands upon thousands of people were healed under tents. We had the charismatic renewal. We had Brownsville 20 something years ago. This year we had Asbury and other moves of God that are happening. God is not going to leave this generation out. He's going to pay the same at 5 o'clock as he did at 6 o'clock in the morning. Hallelujah. I'm contending for it. I'm going to see it. This generation is going to see it in the name of Jesus. Stand with me tonight all over this house. What's your appetite? How's your appetite tonight? What you hungry for? How about it, young person? How about it, sir? How about it, ma'am? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you need, you need, got to have experience more than just salvation into Jesus. There's so much more. How about it tonight? Saint of God that's been in this thing for years, but you're hungry. Maybe you've gotten cold. Maybe it's been a while since you've had the moving of the Holy Ghost in your life. It can come again tonight. How's your attitude? Are you full of boldness? Are you unashamed? Are you ready because you've been with him in prayer and walked with him in communion to speak to the circumstances of our day? Are we like the sons of Issachar who understood the times they were living in and kept themselves up to date and could stand up and speak up about the issues of their time and our time? What's your appearance? What's the condition of your appearance? Are you representing Jesus? Is your garment clean? Are you, have you taken on that garment with pride? Is it changing the atmosphere of places you go? What's the condition of your garment? I want to ask our musicians to come. And first of all, I'm going to ask in this house, if you're here tonight, and you say, Creston, there are things in my life that are not right with Jesus. I, I, I'm hungry, I'm so hungry. The stuff, the sin, the pursuit of things has not filled the void in my life. I'm hungry to know Jesus Christ. I'm hungry for the real. I need to be saved. I need the blood of Jesus applied to my life. And you know what the Spirit of God is drawing you right now. Would you simply lift your hand and say, that's me, I need to make my life right with Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Just lift your hand high. I see you, young lady. I see you back here. I see you. I see you in the back. Hallelujah. Say, I need to give my life totally to Jesus Christ. 
Let me tell you, you're never going to regret it. There's at least five to ten other people in this room tonight that you need to respond to this message because the Spirit of God is drawing you. The Spirit of God is, is speaking to you. I'm going to stay here for a minute because I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to people. You listen to me. If you continue to, act, to, to relive the generational stuff that's been in your family, it'll destroy you. It'll kill you. It'll ruin you. You'll never get out of it. You cannot get out of it in your own power. You cannot get out of it in your own ability. It's going to take the supernatural power of God to intervene in your life, to snatch you out of that circumstance you don't have to relive it you don't have to fulfill that drug addiction you don't have to fulfill the drug the alcohol you don't have to fulfill the meaningless relationships and going from this bed to that bed can I just be real tonight you don't have to fulfill that all living and just being unfulfilled and being used up and used up and used up that's not God's will for your life Jesus wants to save you and bring you into his family and give you a reason to live and a hope for the future to escape the lies of this culture. But we're, we're, there's people all around us, that's all they know. It's the repetitive fulfillment of the devil's lies. But Jesus wants to step in your family tonight. He wants to step, he wants to step into your life and pull you out. And say, come with me. I want to lead you into life eternal. It can stop right now. It can end tonight. There's several other people. This is for you. You, you. You've been trying to fill your stomach with everything else and you're starving to death still tonight. You're, you, you, you're, you're emaciated. You're spiritually empty. But tonight Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to come into your life. Just lift your hand. Say, Creston, that's me. I've got to be honest. I've not been living right. I've not been living the way I'm supposed to. I know it. I'm tired of sick. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of the repetitive junk over and over again. And I need to sell out to Jesus and give him my life. Just lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. We've all been there. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. Just lift your hand. A couple of others. Amen. Praise God. And, and listen to me, young people. I, I'm just being real with you. I know that that's what's being promoted is you. You get, you get into high school and you, you get with this person and you get with that person and you just you get into sexual relationships and you start into things you shouldn't be involved in and you get involved in these relationships that take you into things that you have no business being in that's outside of the will of God leading you into things and the devil begins to show, begins to try to pull you into destruction and that's his goal. He's not playing with you. He's not playing games with you. He is out to ruin your life. It's, it's the cycle we see over and over and over again and you can talk to people they're at Ray Ray Bar Ray Ray's tonight. They said, I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm not going to let this repeat in my life. I'm not going to do this. But because they didn't get to know Jesus, they're there tonight reliving what everybody else in their family has done. They said, I'll never do this. I don't want this. But the natural inclination in their life, why? Because we naturally are drawn to that wide gate that leads to destruction, the road that leads us to hell. But there's a better way. Hallelujah. You don't have to go there. You can know Jesus in eternal life. I'm just being real tonight. It's time to give your life to Jesus. It's time to stop the cycle of his lies. It's somebody needs to hear this. It's time to stop the lies of defeat in your life and allow Jesus to save you. Oh, you'll never regret it, I promise you. There's a young man out there that God has. You'll marry someday, young lady that's going to treat you right, going to be faithful to you, going to be who God has for your life. 
that are not out to abuse you and use you. You are worth so much more. Some of you need to hear that tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you. The devil's lied to you long enough. Say, I'm starving to death for the real. I'm starving to death to know Jesus. One more time, lift your hand. Say, that's me. I got to quit this cycle. I got to get out of it. Thank you, young man. I see you again. Another one back here. Amen. Several of you lifted your hand. Step out right now. Don't hesitate. Come to this altar this second. Come on, right now. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Come right now. Come right now. There's several. There's several more. Lifted your hand. Come on. Come on. <clears throat> There's others you need to be down here. I'm going to wait. We're going to wait here just for a moment. I'm not just stalling to be stalling. The Holy Spirit's working tonight, He's speaking to people. There's many others need to be in this altar tonight. I'm going to need some men and women of God to come and stand with these tonight. Begin to help me pray with them. Come on, I need your help. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much. I know a lot of this you've experienced tonight may be brand new to you and you're trying to wrap your mind around all that you've experienced and all that you've seen. But you know that something in your heart is telling you that it's real. No one in this room is trying to scam anybody. We just want you to know Jesus. There's others of you need to come tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus for real. I'm talking about getting serious with Jesus how many people tonight say Creston I'm saved but I know there's more (laughs) I want the fullness of the Holy Ghost I want to move into deeper waters I'm a Christian, but I want to move into that deeper realm of the Spirit. And I'm a hungry and my palate's been prepared. I want more. I want to see your hand tonight. So that there's more. I want it. I want, come on, all over this room. Step out. Step out and come here. Come to these altars. We're going to begin to pray. Seek God. I believe there's going to be many tonight baptized in the Holy Ghost. He wants to fill you with His precious Spirit tonight. There's more. There's more. How about it, saints of God? You've been in this thing all your life. You've been trying to reenact and have a redo of something that used to happen. But you're saying tonight, I'm not just wanting what I used to have. I want what I've never had. All over this room, come on, begin to step from your seats. Say, I want what I've never had in the Spirit. I'm hungry for the places I've never been. Come on, step from your seats and come begin to fill these altars. And let's seek God tonight. He's going to touch our hearts for the lost. He's going to adjust our attitude. He's going to clean up our garments so that it's a blessing and a difference maker to the world. We've been outfitted. We've been given the tools for this moment. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on, young people. I want you to come. Come on, young men. Come on, young ladies of this altar. I want to pray for you tonight. There's more than just what you're experiencing every day here in Fred, Texas or Kirbyville or wherever you're from. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. 
reach your hands out to him reach your heart out to him and begin to tell the Lord I want to serve you Lord I want what you have from my life my best laid plans will fail without you I've got to have you in my life I've got to have your touch in my life I, I have to have your anointing on my life I want my dreams to be your dreams hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus I pray that these tonight in this altar would be saved. They would not just be saying a prayer, but that they would be saved with the sincerity of their heart. That they would say, I'm tired of reliving this over and over again. This cycle of defeat, this cycle of failure is going to stop in my life tonight. Hallelujah. You're worth so much more. You're priceless to Jesus. He gave his life for you. Hallelujah.
Oh uh-huh.
definition of revival is not a collection of services, but the definition of revival is a renewal for spiritual things. What we've seen tonight in these altars is a renewal of spiritual things. And I thank God for this great revival. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Would you give our evangelist a hand here? Thank him for bringing the word to us. Amen. I want to encourage you to let your life change. Don't go back to where you were. Take it forward. Take it forward. Let God advance you. Let God move you. Let God change your mind and clean your thoughts and clean your actions and live a life of holiness and know that God is for you and not against you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Almighty God, for this revival, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for these services. We thank you for your many blessings, O God. We thank you, Lord God, for filling our teenagers and filling our adults, Lord God, and giving us a desire for spiritual things, Lord. And I pray, Almighty God, that this revival wouldn't be a moment, Lord God, in time, but it would be a continual lifestyle, Lord, that we would grow and live, O God, and, and seek after you, Father God. Let it be a time, O God, when we move, Lord God, to a greater infilling, Lord God. For your word says that if I decrease, O God, that you will increase, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for your what the great things that you've done, God. Be with us, guard us, keep us, and protect us, O oh God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll be here Sunday morning. If you don't go to Sunday school, find your class, come to Sunday school. God bless you. Oh. I just want to say that uh, Natchez Valley called me today and said that they wanted me to do a presentation tonight to a pastor and his wife in honor of Pastor Appreciation Week or month and also in honor of hosting this revival. So Brother Scott, Sister Kathy, this is for y'all from Natchez Valley. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great week.